Hey everyone, Bill Barhite here. Welcome to the Abra Money 3.0 show where I talk about the future of money and technology. This episode is an edited audio version of a recently recorded Money Talks Live AMA. There's also a video version of this podcast available on youtube.com slash Abra Global. Again, that's youtube.com slash Abra Global. The information presented in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and should not be used or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any of the financial assets discussed. Neither Abra nor any of the participants in this podcast make any representation as to the suitability or appropriateness of these financial assets for individual investors. Investors must make their own determination either alone or in consultation with their own financial advisors as to the suitability or appropriateness of such investments. Abra interest accounts are issued by Prime Trust and Nevada Chartered Trust Company. Rates for Abra interest accounts are subject to change. Digital currencies are not legal tender, are not backed by any government, and Abra interest accounts are not subject to FDIC or SIPC insurance protections. So let's get to it. I've got a bunch of things I want to talk about this morning. And of course, we can't have a... uh, uh, an up-to-date crypto conversation without talking about the latest missings from Elon Musk. So you got to give him credit. Elon is a walking meme and he knows it. Um, You know, uh, yeah. So in a clubhouse event on Sunday, he said the word Bitcoin and the price obviously went up as soon as he said the word Bitcoin. After he stopped saying Bitcoin or talking about Bitcoin, the price came back down. He prefaced his commentary by saying, I have to be careful what I say. I don't want to move the markets. Yeah, well, at least he knows, right? So you can see here his latest meme uh, posts. And uh, when it comes to Doge, and you can check out our, our primer on, on Dogecoin on Aver.com, he obviously doesn't care about moving markets. So I don't know if it was a drunken or, or Rogan weed-induced tweet storm. We'll never know for sure. Uh, Musk took to Twitter to promote Doge uh, as, as the people's coin. The results are obvious to everyone reading this. Uh, even without looking at the price, the price went up. Duh. Then it went down. Right. Duh. So look, folks, as I've said a hundred times and will keep saying, gambling is gambling and investing is investing. If you want to let a few bucks ride on Doge, knowing you can lose 100% of your stake, please go right ahead. But be smart. You're not going to change your life to the upside investing in Doge. But you can lose a lot of money if you're not careful. It's okay to have fun with it. Just be responsible. And if you're not sure what to do, then doing nothing is just fine. You can always just enjoy the show and focus your crypto investing on Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Stellar, Cardano, Litecoin, Digibyte, and a bunch of other interesting protocol tokens and projects that I think have significant ups and can actually change the world in a very positive way. All right, so uh, enough of Elon. Let's, Let's talk about... Wall Street bets for a second. All right, so what's going on with Wall Street bets? So uh, the dust is clearing on this entire Game GameStop short squeeze episode, and we have a pretty good understanding of what really transpired with our Wall Street bets, which is this Reddit subgroup, uh, GameStop, Melvin Capital, which is the hedge fund that apparently lost 53%, uh, according to, I think it was a Wall Street Journal article I read, 53% of its fund in January. Uh, of course, Robinhood and all the other key players my buddy uh, Peter McCormick, host of What Bitcoin Did and the Defiance podcast, uh, created a fantastic episode of Defiance explaining what happened. Uh, it was it was pretty cool to get to take part uh, among a really cool and fun group of people. Um, and take a listen. Let me know what you think. Did you like it? Is there anything we could have explained better? Uh, hit me up on Twitter and, and let me know. All right. So 
So uh, let's talk about Bitcoin for a second. So big run up uh, this week, uh, which is good, good to see. But most importantly, Bitcoin is maintaining its upward channel and is perfectly modeling what I keep talking about as this, this now famous stock to flow scenario uh, that we continue to believe has very strong merit. Stock to flow seems uncannily accurate over the last several years. If it holds, and I believe it will, emphasis on believe, I think we'll see 100K Bitcoin this year or higher. Now think about it. 100K Bitcoin is only about 2.5X from here. Many stocks had much bigger run-ups than that last year. So we're looking really good here. From there, the next stop might even be 500K. I don't know, but first things first, let's get to 50, then 100. Patience. Now, I keep saying it every single week, I'm going to say it again, expect pullbacks, right? Expect 30% pullbacks and don't panic. If you're panicking, then you're doing it wrong. And you may actually have too much exposure to Bitcoin if you can't handle the 30% pullbacks. I look for the pullbacks. I often invest more in the pullbacks. Um, I'm very long Bitcoin and Ethereum, so I'm not looking to go too much more long, but, uh, but I will go incrementally long on occasion. Uh, I just bought more Ethereum when it, when it got down to about 1100. Uh, and I'm, I'm really happy that I did. Actually, Ethereum is even is looking even more bullish to me right now. I don't have the chart here. Um, next week, I'll, 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 I'll dig in on an Ethereum chart. But Ethereum has almost completely clean air in front of it, which is, as we say in Formula One racing, the only headwind for Ethereum right now that I can see is the insane gas fees for on-chain transactions. But 99% of transactions are off-chain, right? So and happening on exchanges uh, and long-term holders and traders generally don't care as everyone believes Ethereum 2.0 fixes all of these issues anyway. So to that end, I actually believe we'll see 5K Ethereum or potentially higher this year. So anyway, buckle up. It's going to have retracements just like Bitcoin. It's actually going to be more volatile than Bitcoin. All right. So speaking of more volatile, um, I think 5K Ethereum would have an unbelievably huge halo effect for altcoins, DeFi oriented tokens, like comp, you know, uh, these coins will likely rise even more than Ethereum, but will be wildly volatile. All right, so be very careful with alts. Set your expectations accordingly. Um, you know, I put a very small amount in, as I've mentioned many times. I tend to trade. I don't long-term hold most most alts. That does change on occasion, but by and large, you know, it's it's about um, getting in and out. All right. And um, you can check out the daily winners in the altcoin space and see what's going up and down in the Abra app. If you go to the portfolio screen in the Abra app and you uh, click on, on the add button, which you see, excuse me, in the, in the left uh, most app here uh, in, the, in, the, in the upper right, uh, you click on add and you'll be able to see all of the, uh, the top movers of the day. And I expect to see many, many winners uh, in that world in, in the coming months. All right, so um, let me let, actually, since I'm already here on the average screen, let me give you a quick uh, January update. Let me take a quick look at questions here, how we're doing. Oh yeah, I see, okay, so keep the questions coming. Uh, we'll, we'll get to them in a minute. I've got a, a few people uh, raising hands here on Clubhouse. We'll get to you uh, in a moment as well. And um, let me just uh, get back. So let me just give you a quick, uh, a quick 90 seconds here on what's going on uh, with, with, um, with Abra. So. So unbelievable January. Um, it, actually, it's been an amazing few months. Certainly our best run ever. The entire business basically doubled twice. It doubled and then it doubled again. And so we're seeing big growth in all three of our businesses. The interest accounts, thank you so much for the support there. As I mentioned many times, that's how I manage money. 
cash and crypto now. Uh, that, that interest account service has seen explosive growth and we're now managing hundreds of millions of dollars in assets across the entire portfolio of USD stablecoins and crypto assets. The in-app exchange and trading service has experienced explosive growth. It was an amazing January for us uh, with, re with um, uh, record exchange and trading volumes across the board. And so uh, a lot of this uh, growth is also coming on the heels of this uh, newly launched global wire service which allows you to make unlimited deposits into the ABRA interest account from pretty much anywhere in the world. I don't know of any other service that does that. And so lastly, our online marketplace via ABRA.com enables buying of crypto via 50 different, I think it's more than 50 now. I, I've got to get an updated count, but it's huge. And so the marketplace has more than doubled in volume over the past few months, and we're excited to announce that more countries and more payment options are coming. And so... Uh, I think the, we're going to try to get the marketplace features back into the app itself uh, so that you can do all of it from the phone too, which I'm, I'm pretty excited about. And then lastly, we've got some really big ex announcements planned for just for the next 90 days, never mind the rest of the year. And so we're not going to spoil it all, but we've got uh, actually a couple of really big surprises. Uh, one I think is industry changing. And so, so I promise you won't be disappointed and, and just keep coming back here to, to check on the latest. And I think you may have seen that we uh, quietly via our web, and, and we're going to start uh, promoting it now, uh, launched our new Abra Platinum service. This is our new OTC trading desk. OTC, OTC excuse me, stands for over-the-counter services. O OTC trades are done off exchange, so that you aren't using the app directly, uh, but the funds can land in the app, right? So uh, our Abra staff, uh, working with our, our bank partner, Prime Trust, are executing the trades on your behalf. The OTC services are designed exclusively for Abra customers interested in, in um, any of the following. If you want to do like uh, large digital asset trades, uh, but don't want to take the funds off of Abra, uh, if you're depositing funds in the Abra interest account and then you want to swap between assets. So like, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I had a bunch of cash in my Abra interest account as a stable coin and I wanted to move it to Ethereum. So I had the Abra OTC desk do that for me and then move it back into the Ethereum wallet to continue to earn interest there. Um, and if you're um, uh, if you're planning to eventually borrow cash uh, using uh, digital assets as collateral, uh, you can also use the OTC desk. Just contact us there, and that's meant more for our corporate clients right now. But high net worth users have access to borrowing cash as well. So um, generally, we're talking about people who want to trade in in, in 50 50k increments. Uh, but if you have a larger balance, uh, we're happy to help you. Uh, with, with close to any amount, okay? So if you go to the Abra website and click on Abra Platinum or OTC services, uh, you'll, you'll, find, uh, you'll find that, okay? So as I said, I'm happy to turn on uh, questions. Just uh, keep, keep raising your hand here on, um, on Clubhouse. And let me get to a couple of questions on, um, on YouTube while we're waiting. And um, uh, so, Ty says, wondering if Bank of America will be allowed to fund Abra again. And uh, Ty, to my knowledge, there's no problem with uh, Bank of America funding via Abra. If you go to the Abra app, uh, click on Add Money, uh, click on Bank, uh, you'll be able to choose Bank of America as your bank. And uh, I, I know I've done that in the past. I don't use them anymore, but I used to. And uh, so feel free, to, um, feel free to go that route. And uh, let's see. Um, a bunch of questions about coins. So, so let me talk about uh, adding tokens to Abra. We don't, um, we do take input from the community, 
but we we don't pre-announce tokens we don't give any insights as to the decision process for tokens but i'll say a couple of things about that if you um if you hit us up on twitter we do take that into account that people are interested in a certain token uh, but we track hundreds of tokens and you can see like there's probably 150 or so in the abra app and so we're very careful um uh you know uh, about which tokens we launch okay so um uh let's see and we will be launching more uh in some folks asking uh in asia so the folks in the us who don't know uh or in europe don't know we actually allow people to transact in cash uh in certain markets like in the philippines and guatemala parts of the middle east and, and other countries and so uh, people are asking that um so if if you're going to an abratella location and they don't have uh, the ability to process a withdrawal because uh, they don't have funds or anything else, uh, definitely send a message to support in, at abra.com and we'll follow up with them. It very rarely happens, uh, but I've, I've seen it happen on occasion. So uh, my apologies for that. Um, yeah. And let's see. Um, so another question from Javier. I was wondering if Abra is going to be adding ADA Cardano to the interest earning accounts. Uh, or any other tokens for that matter. And so that's a good question. So let me talk about the interest earning account for a second. Uh, so to earn interest on, on cryptocurrencies with Abra, what you're basically doing is, is you're letting us uh, lend those tokens out to earn that interest uh, using highly collateralized uh, positions, meaning the borrowers are collateralizing those positions in, in different uh, cryptocurrencies. And basically it's the borrow demand uh, that drives that interest. Now, some certain tokens, such as Cardano, also support staking. And in the future, as staking becomes more reliable and the rates become reliable, that's something that we're also very interested in offering uh, through the Abra interest earning account. And so that might end up being one way in which you would get Cardano or even Eth uh, Ethereum 2, for example, or EOS or other tokens in the Abra interest account. Uh, so that's something that we're, we're looking at as well. Okay. Um, so Ty, if you're uh, you're following up on the Bank of America question, if you have questions on on that, then please uh, definitely go to support at abra.com and send them a note. And and if you can send a screenshot even uh, along with your ID, uh, that would be really helpful. Okay. Um, so by the way, Abra support is uh, also answering questions. If you have questions on Twitter or YouTube, um, and if it's more of a of a user like an individual specific question. Uh, you know, we can answer it there. So I've got another, uh, I'm going to let David here on Clubhouse. So uh, David, uh, good morning. Hey, hey, thanks, Bill. I um, just want to say first off, I've really enjoyed your, your technical in-depthness over this whole, over GameStop. I've learned a lot in the last, like, I guess week or two. So I just, just really appreciate that. Um, my question to you, and, and forgive me if this is not what we're talking about. I think it is. The audio was cutting out for a while in the beginning. Okay. But I just had a question on, like, your, your thoughts on market cycles. And, you know, I've been a, a hodler for, for, like, this last cycle. And my plan is sort of like, hey, I don't think I can time the top, but I'd, I'd rather not hold through a, a whole nother crypto winter. Um, and, and so I'm sort of, like, figuring out my own strategies of, like, you know, how do I sort of, like, dollar cost average out uh, and, and to capture some gains and not hold throughout the next winter? Um, so I want to get your sort of, like, you know, your personal thoughts, your strategies. What do you sort of tell people that are maybe, you know, I'm not a trader. I don't day yep. trade. I, don't, I just... I basically hold and like look at it over the long. I really like. I'm a believer of like the four years. And again, forgive me if we're. I never been talking about Abra. I, I just by that the title of this, it said crypto Bitcoin investing, so I didn't hear the whole. 
Yeah. yeah. I think your your question is basically around, you know, where where is it going? Uh, I'll, I'll I'll take it I'll take it specific to um to to Bitcoin. Oh, yeah, it's it sounds like I have a, a poor connection on on Clubhouse. Let me uh, let me turn off the Wi-Fi here and hopefully this is better. Uh, I I am actually not in my normal normal really good uh, connection. So uh, if people online are having a, a poor time hearing me, I apologize. Uh, we'll, it'll be back, back to better next week. That's part of why I want to do a mediated show. So basically, what David is asking is where are the market's going. Uh, what do I see? You know, in terms of like the future here, is there going to be a cycle uh, for, for for you know what's happening next? Um, you know, look, I. I don't have a crystal ball. I do spend a fair amount of time, you know, analyzing global macros because they affect my business. They affect, you know, all of our customers. And what I think is happening is, is I think that the government is in printing money, printing overdrive. We're going to have another couple of trillion dollars in stimulus checks, which is going to have a massive, uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, kind of risk on asset stocks and, and, and you know, metals don't have a big run up as a result. Uh, they're going to basically a bubble of some kind. I think crypto becomes a huge winner in that because that's not a bubble, right? That's basically like a, a global reset happening in front of our eyes where, you know, all of this new money is finding its way into crypto, which is basically creating a new baseline for what Bitcoin in particular is worth. And I think that as DeFi takes hold over the next five years, and it is a multi-year transition to DeFi because we need scalable systems. You know, it's a it's a it's a macro transition that's happening with crypto. I think crypto is going to look. I, I I actually am am shocked at how well the stock to flow models. Uh, you know, kind of the, my macro stance on crypto. My macro stance on crypto is is if you have a new deflationary asset introduced to the public, it will be hoarded over time, and that hoarding will come in stops and starts because. A lot of the public can't afford to just completely take their money and put it in something else, right? But now you have high net worth investors coming into Bitcoin in, in massive droves. You have institutional investors starting to tep, dip their toe in the Bitcoin water. So I actually think we're pretty early when it comes to what's happening with, uh, with Bitcoin and Ethereum. I think that uh, with all the money printing, we're still going to continue to see these pumps, you know, via, uh, you know, these likes of our Wall Street bets. So let's talk about that for a second. Our Wall Street bets is basically the first decentralized hedge fund. Think about that for a second, right? The way DeFi uh, in, in in the Ethereum world is now allowing us to have certain types of transactions with with no off switch, right? Our Wall Street bets has showed us that that crowds, the wisdom of crowds, can actually make bets with no off switch, right? Now the government has tried, right? Uh, the, the, the Depository Trust Clearing Corporation and the SEC and others have tried to slow this down, but they're gonna be unsuccessful because you saw the people's reaction. It's the first time I ever saw uh, Senator Cruz and, and Cortez, Senator Cortez agree on anything. And they certainly seem to agree on this, that, that consumers shouldn't be allowed or shouldn't be forced to stop making bets that they wanna make on Wall Street that hedge funds can make. And, and so, what this tells me is, is that it's going to be volatile. Uh, there's going to be a lot of new money coming into the system. And I don't see how certain assets don't get a significant run up in price as a result of all this new cash coming into the system. So, David, that was a lot more than what you were asking. Uh, but hopefully in there was the uh, was the answer to your to your question and comments.
Well, so do you, do you do you do you believe that there will be like another crypto winter? Do you think we'll have like a, you know a big run up and then another 70 percent like you know drawdown uh, over like another four year period? Sure, I, I don't I don't look at it as a crypto winter. I just look at it as the natural kind of oscillations of moving towards a new asset class. So if the answer is, do I expect to see significant pullbacks on the way to a million? Yes, I do. Um, and and if you're not able to stomach that, then you know either put in less or don't do it. But but yes, I do expect significant pullbacks along the way. And it's not a winter, in my opinion. It's the gyrations in moving towards a completely new asset class that we've never had as, as a society before. We've never had a guaranteed deflationary asset class with a mass migration to that new asset class. And so nobody fully knows what to expect, but I've been at this enough to know now it's gonna be a volatile ride and you're gonna have transitions. So that we have, we've had, I actually think we're on a third transition now, right? We had a bunch of techies who loved the tech, uh, you know, were enamored with this idea of solving the double spend problem and we're all still here. But you had a, a transition to a bunch of retail investors who, you know, thought they could get in on this new asset, you know, back in 17. And they, a lot of those people ended up coming in, you know, very late in that cycle and, and basically were investing at a, 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 at a, or I should say had an ROI, a return on investment uh, floor, which was very near the high. And so those people had to wait a long time to even see a return on their investment. And most of them, many of them even wrote it off. And so now what we're seeing is we're seeing high net worth investors come in, right, at, at a new floor, which is, you know, in the 30s, and they're taking the money off of exchanges, which means that they have a very long term view because otherwise they would just keep it there ready to sell at any given moment. And they're not doing that. A lot of them are putting the, the money, for example, or the crypto in things like Abra exchange accounts uh, or I'm sorry, Abra interest accounts because they can they can now earn interest knowing they're not going to sell anyway. Right. So that that's kind of a I, I use the analogy of, of like hockey. If you watch hockey every few minutes, there's a line change. Well, we're getting these line changes in investors in crypto that really are mapping to where we are in its evolution. I expect a five year out change of people of companies, large companies, S&P 500, Treasury coming in, large institutions coming in. And we're going to see another line change, you know, four to five years out when that starts to happen. And that's going to get us to a million uh, and, and, and 2 million Bitcoin, in my opinion. Because again, if you want to put this in corporate treasury at large scale, there's clearly not enough Bitcoin to go around. Uh, and and yeah. so in between, can we have 50% pullbacks or black swan events like March 12th of last year? Of course, I fully expect it. But, you know, that's what that's the way it goes. <laughs> and and yeah. so, yeah. I guess I, I, I kind of like look at two, two sort of two types of pulldowns. Like one is like, the like 30, 40, 50% pull down that lasts for a month or two, which I, I fully can stomach. And I don't like been through that for, you know, four years now and, I, and I'm fine with that. And I know. Oh, we lost you there, David. Oh, we lost David. So, um, it's a two years oh. where, where it's like below, below, you know, it takes two years to come back, come back up. And that's sort of what I'm trying to like, you know, take some off the table. And, and not have to ride for two years. And, and I agree, like, I'll, I'm going to be here for, for many years. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of the difference when I think of as a crypto winter versus like a, yeah. you know, yeah, so, 30% pullback, no big deal. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, and, and thanks for the comments, David. I, I really appreciate it. We lost you there for a second, but I did get, the, I'll, I'll try to translate the best as I can uh, and then move on to the questioner. Uh, but um, so, so basically, 
um, you know, yes, there's going to be periods where, you know, they're, 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 we might go sideways for two years or fall like we did last time. And if you look at the stock to flow chart, if you go to the Aber newsletter, for those of you who, who don't know what it is, it basically maps, uh, you know, the accumulation of, of Bitcoin over time to these run ups in price with sideways movements and then big run ups again. And it's been uncanny at, at, at actually ma uh, mapping out the price increases. Now, to David's point, this is a log scale, right, which means that the, the, it'll, the chart will still look accurate even if there's a 30 percent fall in the price. Or, or even a 50% fall in some cases, the chart will still look pretty accurate. And so if you think in exponential scale and logarithmic scale, as opposed to linear scale, it starts to make sense. But that's very difficult for most humans. Even investors have a very hard time with that. So one of the easiest ways to deal with that, right, uh, is to take money off the table. If there's a big run up and you're not comfortable uh, just, just letting it grow and, and, and dealing with the dips, take some profits. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I don't, I don't really have a plan right now for profit taking because I don't really know what else I would be more excited about putting money in. Um, I'm certainly not going to leave it in cash. So I'm okay with those dips, right? Because I know where the dollar is yeah. headed, right? And But again, that's just me. All right, David? Yeah. Thanks for joining, yeah, thanks. bud. I appreciate it, Bill. Yep. So uh, we'll take one more on um, on Clubhouse. So uh, uh, Dennis, is it Dennis or Dennis? It's uh, Dennis. Dennis. Uh, I love seeing you here. Yeah. Always great hearing. How you doing? Uh, mine is twofold. Uh, so for the first fold, you talked about indicators, and this might help David a little bit too. Are there any indicators that you look to, or any um, certain resources that you have for people to check out indicators just to get an understanding of the economy and different sectors of the economy? Yeah. So traditionally, yes, um, that's gone somewhat out the window in the last couple of years, partially because we've printed more money. Uh, as uh, that we don't have on dead trees over the last two years than we had in like the previous 20. And so looking at M1, M2 money supply, interest rates, uh, oil prices, it, it, you know, it, it, and the fact that China won't buy the debt. So, so all of the kind of traditional macro indicators that I would, that I would normally spew have kind of blown up and, and, and don't help me right now. And, and so... so I do, I do, but you know, look. Traditionally, when when it's China buying the debt and it's a petrodollar, the only thing that matters is going to be interest rates and oil prices. And if that's all you look at, you can get a pretty good idea of where we stand. Okay, that's not true right now. China won't buy the debt. There's no more petrodollar. Uh, we keep printing money at no, you know, without end, and uh, we don't care that there's nobody really there to buy the debt anymore because the Fed will just backstop with more quantitative easing IOUs. And, and so I don't know where it ends. I really don't, except to say it's not looking good right now. I understand that a lot of people are suffering, and I don't want people to suffer. But I also I don't yeah. want the system to collapse. I don't want – Bitcoin doesn't need the existing system to collapse to succeed. Ethereum and DeFi don't need the existing system to collapse to succeed. They're going to succeed anyway. I would rather society move to a truly uh, deflationary asset based on, on real assets rather than just guns and courts, which is what the dollar is ultimately based upon right now, since it can't be based on anything else. But I have no visibility into that happening, and it's gotten 50 times worse in the last five years. Right? Um, so what, what the 
cashing in on the kung fu bonds would that be the final nudge <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a response to that so uh, <laughs> right. yeah hit me up on twitter we could talk about it that i think you're gonna lose everyone if we go there but um okay sorry that's uh, okay my second part was about abra actually yeah so you you said you offer interest to any abra customer who uh, decides to deposit with you right that's right so my my, my initial thought would be is there a credit that you offer and then you ask for a payback at an interest rate? Like, how does that process work? Yeah, so so right now it's only inbound, meaning you can earn interest on your deposits, on Bitcoin, any stable coin, Ethereum, uh, Litecoin. As a matter of fact, I have the, so you can see here on the screen uh, all of the, the tokens that we, we offer uh, interest on. And your second question was about the other way, which is where you can effectively borrow against your uh, deposits and maybe borrow cash against your crypto deposits. And uh, all I can say there is that I have nothing to announce, but uh, keep watching. Um, and and okay. so it's it's a logical kind of next step, uh, but okay. uh, I'm not gonna give anything away uh, today. So- It's just hard to wrap my mind around um, the interest rate, like- Oh, it's, on your it's very simple. Yeah, it's very simple, okay. I'll, I'll explain it. So. So, and I've written about this, we talk about it all the time. I know we get a lot of new users coming in and so I don't mind repeating. I apologize for the people who are watching every week, but this is super important. So I'm gonna repeat myself constantly on this. So this is, we design the Abra interest account and the trading system effectively be the crypto bank that we ourselves as Abra founders wanted and Abra employees wanted. So I use Abra for 100% of my cash and managing my my day-to-day crypto holdings, all of my Bitcoin, all of Ethereum. So how does, how does how do I, pay interest or how do I earn interest on the Abra account, okay? Functionally, I earn interest daily and it gets paid weekly. So I'm getting I'm getting compounded effect and I and my favorite push messages, I say this all the time, are the push messages I get on on Monday mornings when I receive my interest payments on my TrueUSD, my Tether, my Bitcoin, my Ethereum, my Paxos, and I actually have a little bit in each of them. Uh, mostly mostly I have my Bitcoin and Ethereum in there. And so how is Abra earning this interest? Okay. So a few things are happening, right? In order to uh, maintain a, a, a really uh, reasonably conservative system uh, that, that can guarantee uh, that you know we're not losing money. Uh, so that, that includes the security of the systems, which is kind of the baseline. Then how do we earn interest around lending, right? Uh, and then lastly, how do we manage deposits and withdrawals very quickly so that if you are earning interest, you can, you can still withdraw your money uh, you know, within minutes or hours, right? Depending upon the amount that you've deposited. So on the security side, we work with uh, Prime Trust as our trust bank partner, along with Fireblocks, uh, who's a, a really high institutional grade custody partner uh, to manage all of that in our system. And then what we do is we work with uh, institutional borrowers, and there's there's dozens of them now that work with us, and they'll borrow, they, they actually apply all right, uh, in, in the background through our institutional uh, lending desk to become uh, partners uh, for this product. And then we put them through about a one month or so due diligence process where we look at their financial statements, their balance sheets, uh, use of funds. Are they already borrowing crypto? How much leverage do they have, if any, in their system? How much cash do they have on hand versus, you know, liquid cash versus what their borrowing positions are? And then based upon their needs, we'll make a decision as to whether or not we can lend to them what the interest rate would be and how much collateral they have to put up, right? So in some cases it would be 100%, some cases it would be more than 100%, and if it's a huge company with like a multi, you know, tens of billions of dollars in the balance sheet, it might be a little less than 100%, for example, and, and, and there's a range, okay? 
uh, and then uh, depending upon the movement in the price of the crypto. So let's say the price of Bitcoin, um, you know, uh, goes up and the, the position is collateralized in dollars, then they're probably at some point going to have to put more dollars in as collateral in order to maintain the initial uh, collateral requirement. And if they don't do that, we immediately sell the Bitcoin in order, uh, uh, we sell the dollars into Bitcoin in order to put them uh, in, in compliance in this example. Hopefully that makes sense. And so what this does is it gives you a very liquid system uh, for maintaining compliance with all the borrowers to, to safely generate the interest for you, which makes me very, again, makes me very comfortable for putting my own money into the system. The last piece, of course, is managing deposits and withdrawals. And we don't lend 100% of the deposits. We, we maintain a pretty healthy double-digit percentage as reserves so that any consumers coming in and out, uh, if you want to withdraw money, you can quickly do that uh, without having a long wait. The terms of service honestly say seven days, but we've never had anybody wait more than a day. So, so And we pride ourselves on business day. But we pride ourselves on the fact that we really built a... a um, a safe and uh, manageable way to do this that has so far scaled into the hundreds of millions with no problem. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's super exciting. I'm, I'm so ecstatic to see what you guys have in the future. Cool. Appreciate that. So uh, thanks for the questions. I'm going to take one more on Clubhouse and then I've got some, some other comments. Uh, let's see. Let's go. We've got a couple people here. So I'm going to add a couple of people, but Bailey, if you can hear me, um, Bailey, are you there? I think we may have lost Bailey. How about Sean? Sean, are you there? Yeah, hey, Bill, how's it going? Good, good. What's uh, going on, man? Thanks so much for this. Actually, it's funny, I'm, at, um, I'm good friends with Brittany Kaiser. She was one of my roommates uh, back a few years ago, so yeah. she's the one that got me into the space. Yeah. Uh, so she had told me you're a great resource to, to ask any questions yep, to. Yeah, Brittany, I spent um, a lot of time in Haiti uh, working on, um, on mobile money systems. That's right. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's a great girl. I mean, you know, obviously I've gone through some stuff, but yeah, uh, yeah. really yeah. awesome, so really what, intelligent as well. So what can, um, I, what I can we talk about? Ask, yeah, sure. I was going to talk to you about just, uh, I, I kind of jumped in a little late, uh, but I, I was curious about the APY um, and just being having the ability to loan it out just to get some, some returns. Yeah. Because um, I'm, I'm going to hold for, you know, for yeah. as long as I can imagine. Um, yep. But it just seems like an additional benefit that I'd be interested in. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, so we pay 10% on USD. We pay uh, up to about 5% on Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, it, 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 I think Bitcoin might be 4.5, Ethereum 5. Again, the rates depend upon the, the market that I described uh, via uh, the last question um, that we just talked about. And we, to my knowledge, we've never lowered rates. I mean, it, it might happen. Uh, and I actually, I shouldn't say it might happen. Over years, you know, the rates will go up and down. But at least for the first, uh, it's been almost the, uh, the better part of a year now, we've never had to lower rates, uh, which is great. And we've raised rates, I think, on Bitcoin and Ethereum uh, since we've launched as well, and dollars for that matter. Uh, but the rates, yeah, they're fantastic. And it's, it's, it's such a well-run business for us. I'm so happy with what the team has built. And um, yeah, I mean, it's really a great way to manage custody. And I, and I strongly encourage people to, uh, to take advantage of it. And that would be through, through Abra? Yeah, you just it, literally in the app, at the bottom of the app, right? I'll bring up the, uh, let me, so, so you see here um, on the left screen, that's the trading screen. And on the right, you see at the bottom button is the earn screen. And you click on earn 
and you can move money, the money you deposit or the crypto you deposit, you simply move into the interest earning account and it automatically starts earning interest from the minute you make the transfer and that's it, that's all you do. And if you wanna withdraw the crypto for any reason or sell it back into your bank account, you just move it back into the trading screen and you can withdraw or sell or, or, or do whatever you want. Awesome, yeah, thank you, that's really great. Cool, thanks for the question. Oh, well, it looks like we actually have more people. So I hope, uh, let me know on YouTube if, if this isn't working for you and I will, um, I'll, I'll obviously scale it back, but um, it looks like, um, it looks like we're getting more questions coming in here. So um, yeah, let's go with Juan. Juan, can you hear me? You are on Money Talks. Yeah, can you hear me too? Yeah, we hear you, how you doing? Cool. Fine, fine. You know, I I would just gonna ask you one quick question. Sure. You know, back in quarantine when the dollar was like falling a lot, the Bitcoin price was around eleven eight hundred, eleven thousand eight hundred. Yeah. And I decided to invest one thousand dollars. Okay. Cool. Right now I'm up like two hundred percent, something like, like that. So. Sounds about right. Yeah, I'm not asking for financial advice or any kind of source, but I would like uh, like a recommendation for you to me. Like, I don't know, would you hold if you were me or would you sell some and get profits? Or Yeah, so, so Juan, this is a very personal decision. I don't know the details of your financial situation and I don't want you to disclose them here on the show. Uh, but I'll tell you that if, if it depends, I actually look at Bitcoin investing in two different ways. Okay, I have an allocation target to my entire investment portfolio. Okay, and that's what I've done, for example, with my with my kids. My kids actually own stocks and they own Bitcoin. Okay, and there was a target allocation. Now, because Bitcoin has had a huge run up in price, they're over that target allocation because stocks haven't kept haven't kept pace with the price of Bitcoin. So that then that begs the question: Do I reallocate? Or do I leave it an ups an outsized you know part of that of that al of that al uh, portfolio allocation, and you have to decide for yourself. Now, what I've done is I've actually created two different pools of Bitcoin. I've created one pool that I I am simply not selling, and I don't consider as part of that portfolio allocation, and it's like a significant part of my personal net worth because I'm such. You know, like like uh, Ralph Paul says, I'm irresponsibly long Bitcoin. I don't consider it irresponsibly ir irresponsibly long, but I'll, I'll I'll use the same phrase anyway. And I have no intention anytime soon of selling that Bitcoin, regardless of how it fits in. And then I have another piece which is part of that that portfolio, and and that I might prune back and take profits and 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 reallocate on occasion. I haven't yet, but I might. And so I look at them in two different ways. But you have to decide based upon your own risk tolerance and and where you know where you your your own income are you able to allocate more where are you allocated across the other universe you know you ha it's 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 a broader question than that and ho and hopefully hopefully I'm I'm helping and not just confusing you more but but you you need to sit down and think about all these things and what matters to you and and your future right and and so don't just make the decision in a vacuum and and not like think through and and so personally you know, I think it's okay uh, to hold Bitcoin long term. As I've said many times, I have no intention of selling, 
but it really comes down to your own situation and, and what matters for you. I am not a, I'm not an investment advisor. I'm not an RIA. I don't give financial investment advice. All I do is I say what I do for me, and hopefully hopefully it might help you think through uh, what, what makes sense to you. And I know a lot of you have wealth advisors or financial planners who don't understand Bitcoin, and that's frustrating. And, and so maybe I actually have, have heard that a lot of them watch this now and actually understand better what's going on with crypto so that they can help their clients integrate it into those portfolios as well. Because this is new for everyone, including wealth advisors, right? Um, anyway, sorry for the rambling. I hope, I hope that helps a little. Yeah, I did. Thanks. Sure thing. When I really never have heard about the allocations. And so I actually have two that I did, didn't know. The first one was, well, the first time I invested, the one I just said, back in, in when it was 11,800. And the second one was actually after I received my Christmas money. Yep. And, and I think that that one, uh, that's my, my second one. And that is the one that I, I'm going to be using like to sell Bitcoins. And yep. the other one will be the one using like to just leave it there and wait till it's... Yep. I, if if I think personally for me, cash gifts in Bitcoin are a fantastic tool because you have way less incentive to sell in the short term, and you probably have less uh, mental gyrations about the, the the pullbacks that I talked about earlier, and are more comfortable letting it go for three, four, five years. Similar to when I was a kid, we had these things called the savings bonds. Uh, you know, you you would be given a fifty dollars savings bond, and you could hold it for a few years and then it would be worth $50. And the person who gave it to you didn't spend $50 on it. They may have spent like 25 or something. I don't know, I don't know how it worked. But, but this is, is kind of like that, but even better, right? And so I, I, I love the idea of, of gifting Bitcoin in that way as well. Um, and just looking at it as a, a long-term savings tool is fantastic. All right, uh, thank you, Juan. Appreciate the questions. Thank you very much, Bill. My pleasure. Uh, let's go to, um, wow, I wasn't expecting, this is great. I, I, I'm constantly amazed at Clubhouse. So, Khadija, I don't know if you're there or if you can hear me. Uh, I tried to move you up. Let me try again. Okay, Khadija, can you hear me? Yes, I did I Did I say your name right? Yes, you did. Oh, wow, cool. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. So what's up? Okay, so I'm from the Bahamas, and I wanted to be able to di um, deposit directly from my Visa or MasterCard, but I'm unable to do so. It said that the service is unavailable because it's kind of pricey to have to upload to another exchange or wallet and then transfer over to Abra. Yep. Yeah, so I, I don't know a lot about uh, our where we are vis-a-vis -vis, um, any Caribbean islands. I haven't checked. I, I, I'll do that after the show. But um, I would suggest you send an email to support at abra.com and list out exactly which country you're in, which uh, payment methods you want to use to fund the wallet, and they'll be able to respond on exactly what the best option is for you. I, I wish I knew offhand. I don't. Um, Maybe somebody on the team can slack me and I, I can mention it. But but um, you can certainly wire money in, and, and which which only makes sense if you're doing above a certain amount because your bank is probably going to charge you a wire fee. Uh, but if you're doing like a, you know, if it's if it's fifty or a hundred dollars, don't do a wire. Uh, but if you're wire, if it's thousands of dollars, then a wire would make sense. 
and uh, be very careful with credit card purchases for crypto. We don't charge fees for that at all. So with Abra, we don't add fees to that, but our partners do, uh, and those fees can be significant. So just be careful. Um, be careful with that. Uh, you don't want to do too much via debit or credit card. But if but if you if things are changing quickly and you want to do a little, it's totally fine. But if you want more details that you can't find on the website, then definitely send an email to support at abra.com and uh, the team will, will get back to you right away. Okay, thank you so much, Phil. You're welcome. Thanks for the question. I love it. Uh, let's see. How about Dan? Uh, yeah, anyways, thank, first of all, thanks for taking the time. This is great. Um, I actually wanted to ask you a question about last year um, during March when we saw the, the big price breakdown. Yeah. Uh, to three, 3K or whatever. I wanted to ask you um, if you can give us a little bit of insight on how your company held, uh, you know, held up during that time because of the extreme sure. volatility and sure. the liquidations and uh, kind of what you learned from that process in terms of uh, risk and if you made any big changes after that, um, you know, kind of learning from that situation. Sure. So that's a great question. So let me just set the context for people who uh, may, may not have been actively looking at crypto then, especially if with all the COVID stuff going on. So uh, early last year, you remember, we were all going into lockdown in the February timeframe. And uh, late February, the stock, stock market started to pull back dramatically. And then um, around March 11th or March 12th, we had a big crash in stocks and as well as in, in, in the crypto markets. And, and Bitcoin fell to actually, I think it was high 3000s uh, intraday and started to bounce back. But that was a huge pull for 50, over 50 percent. A couple of comments here just to set it up, set up the answer. So sure. at Abra, we have our own money, meaning from that via our partners, uh, regulated partners, we have customer funds, whether it's crypto in custody uh, or stable coins or whatever. And those funds are completely separate. They each other. Okay. So Abra at any given time is definitely invested in crypto. And, and when I say invested in crypto, I mean our own funds employees with not all of it but a portion a good portion of it it's in crypto which we've been very happy about obviously over the past year members are making their own investment decisions so if you're invested in crypto on march 11th of 2020 and march 12th yes you saw a big drop in the value of your bitcoin but that has nothing to do with abra that's just based upon the fact that you're holding bitcoin abra's treasury the small amount that we had at the time uh, also lost 50 percent in that intraday and then obviously recovered over time but Abra was fine because we're very well capitalized. We have plenty of cash in the bank. And so, you know, we're very comfortable with the losses we can suffer in the short term on any Bitcoin or crypto holdings for our own money. Again, not for customer money. OK, so so the point here being that uh, customer investments, they're customer investments and they go up and down and they're not affected by what Abra does with its own money and vice versa. Does that make sense? OK, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, when people are taking out loans, though, and the price goes down, aren't they getting liquidated if it goes down too far? Yeah. So, so today we only lend to businesses, and that's related to the question I answered before. Uh, yes. So, if you uh, put up collateral for a loan as a business, and the price of of Bitcoin, for example, moves in the wrong direction versus the loan, you have two options. You either have to put up more collateral. Well, you have three options. One, you can pay off the loan faster, and we have businesses that do that. They would rather pay off the loan then put off more collateral. That's fine. Uh, and then two, you can put up more collateral. And usually you have like maybe 24 hours to do that, uh, depending upon the partner. And lastly, we can sell the collateral for you to put you back in compliance. And to be honest, it's only the fir first two options that ever happen. Um, no one has ever uh, 
put Aber in a position to sell the collateral. They've either paid back the loan immediately or, in, or met the collateral call requirements that we make. And that's all automated at Abra. It's not even a discussion. If, if the price of crypto falls to a certain level or even rises to a certain level, and that requires collateral, our automated system will simply notify uh, the business partner that they have a collateral call to make, and they do it. It's as simple as that. Okay, interesting, yeah. Because I know there was, there was a little bit of a worry uh, during that time with BlockFi and Abra and, and companies like this that are you know yeah. providing this service, and sure. I just wanted to see if there was yeah. any... Yeah. It's a fair so, question. It's a fair that. question. And as I keep saying, and I'm going to keep repeating myself, uh, these are questions that I ask for my own money when we designed the service. And I said, look, I'm going to put all of my money into this, all my cash and all my crypto. I want to understand all these things. And more importantly, I want to be explain it, be able to explain it so that when Dan comes on crypto uh, on Clubhouse and asks me, I can answer it. And so, so I've, and I also, lastly, I sit on the investment committee uh, that every week reviews the due diligence for new businesses that we onboard who might be borrowing and all of the, uh, you know, the requirements that we have for them uh, go into, are based upon this due diligence that we do uh, very regularly. Okay? Awesome. Cool. Great. That's great. Thank you. Um, well, we're, we're already over, but I'm going to take a couple more questions and then we'll end the live broadcast and I'm happy to continue on Clubhouse for anybody who's there. Um, I hope people online don't mind that we're going Clubhouse. I kind of like the live as opposed to just all the text um, and uh, hopefully that works. So let's see, we've got uh, Ronick, and I'll bring you up first. And then, can yeah, I can. We need to get some more ladies. Ladies, feel free to jump up and ask some questions. Uh, we want to definitely get you up here too. But Ronick, let's go, let's do it. What's going on, man? Uh, not much, uh, thanks so much for doing this. I, my first time that I joined Clubhouse, I, I sat into to one of your sessions and I felt like I learned a ton, so. Oh, cool. Um, I'm uh, thankful that, that you do these, and um, I've been a bank investor for, for the last five years and kind of, you know, U.S. publicly traded banks, so kind of understand how, you know, the banking system works, and, you know, I was really intrigued when, you know, I went and, and looked at your website and, you know, was just really curious about your business, I'm, and, I, I'm, and I, I apologize, I missed the earlier part of this session, but I'm curious, like, how do you think about one you know, what leverage ratio to run your bank and, you know, how much capital to hold and, and so, what regulatory, you know, requirements yeah. are you or aren't you held to? So, so banks in Abra and banks, I should say traditional banks in the banking system and what I would call Abra as a crypto bank, which uses other partners uh, licenses in, in some ways are totally different in terms of um, what we are capable of doing and what we're willing to do. A lot of the same laws apply, but a bank will be way over leveraged versus like what Abra is willing or able to do, like not even, like night and day, right? That's why you can end up in a, in, a, in a bad scenario with a run on banks because the collateral that they have for a lot of the loans are physical assets like your mortgage. Well, if somebody's not, if, if I got a 50% of my customer base can't make their mortgage payments and I have to go sell hundreds or thousands of homes that's a big problem. And you can end like in 2007, where there was a real chance that we could end up with a run on banks. Okay, that it doesn't work that way in crypto, because we're holding liquid assets, meaning I can sell crypto in real time to uh, put you to put the borrowers back in compliance. That's number one. Number two, uh, in the traditional asset world, everybody is over rehypothecating 
their their borrow positions, which is basically a fancy word for saying, not only am I going to lend the collateral, but when I get collateral on that loan, I'm going to lend it again and then again and again and again. And this creates a nightmare scenario. It's 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 one of the problems associated with the GameStop, uh, you know, uh, prime broker scenario that I described in in Peter's Defiance podcast. You might want to take a listen. So that doesn't it, it that does happen with other parties in the crypto banking world, not at Abra. Okay, so that gives me more comfort that we can unwind loans if we have to. We've never had to, but we easily can if we have to, and simply by selling collateral uh, and you know just calling in a loan. Now, do you mind if I ask a follow-up question? Please go ahead. You know, I'm I'm curious because I, I I've I've thought about this concept before. There's an interesting article that that I read a couple weeks ago, kind of um, comparing Tether to a bank, um, and it's it's obviously not you know the same thing that you know you're doing. But you know what I was wondering there, what you know the thought process I was thinking about with that, to your point about a bank run is if the collateral value is dropping. Right. If, you know, let's say it's Bitcoin and, and Bitcoin crashes and let's say it goes to two thousand dollars. Right. You know, wouldn't the selling pressure also affect the value of your assets as you try and liquidate it? Bank run, you know, usually a bank run isn't a, a clean thing. Right? You don't normally hear about liquidating. Yeah, but you're bank. you're I think you're conflating kind of how how a um, uh, a company that is holding a virtual currency like this would be regulated. Generally, with um, you know uh, somebody issuing a stablecoin, uh, you're you're licensed as a money transmitter. Uh, Tether's a little bit different because they're not based in the U.S. Uh, but you know, like USDC, uh, Paxos, or um, uh, I think there's another one I'm missing. Uh, uh, True USD. They're all basically money transmitters who have to keep 100% reserves in the bank, and and so it's a, it's a very different model than the fractional reserve banking that you're you're right. describing so it's just it's just kind of a non sequitur all right so it's, it's all it's almost as if you're just you know a super 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 well capitalized bank and you're not really holding much basis risk that's what a that's what a st- that's what a stable coin issuer is today yes they are a well capitalized bank i would actually claim 100 percent reserves because that's what the government is requiring at least today i, I hope that doesn't change um but uh, but yeah, that's what they require today. All right. And is that standard in the U.S. versus other geographies? I don't I don't different? know about other geographies, but I suspect in most countries they're simply going to follow suit with the U.S. Uh, because they don't want to have to because they're not banks, so they don't know what else to there. There really is no other precedent uh, in terms of what else to do except to require 100% reserves. Gotcha. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Uh, let's see. I'm going to take one more question. We're going on the hour here. Um, let's see. How about Pat? Pat, are you there? No. Uh, okay, Pat's not there. Let's try Mateo. Mateo, I think you're going to get... Oh, Pat is there. So, Mateo, hold up. Hold on for a second. Okay. Yeah, Pat, we hear you. How you doing? Good. Thanks for taking my, thanks for taking my question. Um, I just run across your service recently so i'm just curious and if i ask some basic questions i apologize but why we're here when i look why i look at your thing and if you i have a friend that wants to buy like 50 to 100 thousand worth of crypto sure does that 
qualify as your platinum it does. customer for you? Yeah. And can you do and can he do it OTC? Yes, that's what because platinum is. That's no problem. We do it all the time. So and you can but can you I, I misspoke, I can you do non KYC? No. Or is it that amount has to be KYC? There's, there's no amount that you're gonna wire to Abra which would put you outside of some kind of KYC process. Okay. Just the, the, so I, the concept just, the concept doesn't exist. If you're going to use uh, a crypto trading service, you're going to be providing an right? ID, period, full stop. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so there is no alternative out there. If it, I mean, he's not doing anything nefarious. He just wants to do yeah. non-KYC. So I, I understand. Just, I don't I don't want the government I don't want the government in, in, intruding. No, these are the rules. It's not our rule. Uh, the, the government sets the rules, uh, the Patriot Act, the BS Bank Secrecy Act in the United States, for example. It, the, right. I don't agree with them, but that doesn't matter. We have to follow the rules. <laughs> right. I get, so anybody that does it non-KYC, like does HODL HODL or BISC, they are do, they're breaking the law. If they're offering it to the U.S. Or... consumers to trade in real time and they're taking possession of the funds, they're breaking the law if they're not asking you who you are. Really? Yes. That's interesting. Okay, well, I will have to... I've never come across reading that. I mean, this is a new thing. I just thought I'd help them, but... Okay, sure. that's very interesting. Yeah. Thank you so much. But uh, please, you know, have, have, him check out, have him check out Abra, and I hope it works for him. I, w I will. I mean, you can just read... I mean, it's always a phone call or just reaching out to your contact, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. it can be that simple. Okay, yep. Yep. thanks so much for answering the question. Okay, bye. All right. So, uh, so look, for the folks on um, YouTube... Oh, sorry. For the folks on YouTube or um, uh, Periscope, uh, uh, Twitch, we're going to end the live broadcast now. If I'll stick around on um, on per on uh, Clubhouse for at least a few more minutes and uh, get a bigger dialogue going. If anybody wants to come up on stage, you're welcome. So let me say a happy weekends to everybody uh, on YouTube, Periscope, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Thank you as always for joining.